mentioned before, it is Reconciliation Week um, and Reconciliation Sunday. Um, the theme for this year is Be Brave and Make Change. And um, I had a chat with someone, an unknown distant sort of family member about Reconciliation Week and they got a bit defensive and just said, I don't know, I shouldn't have to feel bad for something I didn't do. Um, yeah, and I was just like, oh, what a strange attitude. Um, but just was really adamant that, yeah, I, I don't, wanna, don't want anything to do with it. It's just I don't want to feel bad for something that I didn't do, um, which I just thought was a really it's a problematic on so many, but that defensiveness gets people nowhere, you know, that, that sort of... It doesn't moves no one into solidarity, looking for the perspective of the indigenous or the colonised community. It just is very, it just locks people into it is about me and me not doing something, and it it takes someone away from looking and um, standing in solidarity and understanding. Um, I didn't say that to this family member. That sometimes you just have to retreat from those conversations, <laughs> delicately leave and just go, okay. Um, but we wanted to bring in a voice, an Indigenous voice into today um, because that's, that's part of reconciliation is sort of looking from different perspectives and understanding and listening. And um, so we are going to use a clip today from Common Grace. Um, Common Grace is a... Christian um, organisation, a community of advocates for justice um, and in, a in an Australian context. So they sort of look at Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander rights, um, climate change, refugee rights, um, domestic and family violence. But um, a big contribution is they, they gather um, Indigenous voices and really stand up for issues of injustice. And um, so they've put together a, a video today. The video they sent out was 40 minutes long. <laughs> So we don't really do 40-minute long videos in this community. We struggle with however long this is. Um, so then they, they sent out an edited version of a 25-minute. They obviously had some feedback from people going, we can't just sit and listen to a 25-minute video. They sent out a 25-minute video. But even then I was like, oh, it's still... Um, I might have to... So I've just kind of got a clip <laughs> from the 25-minute video. Um, and the video is um, a recording of a Zoom call um, from... Th uh, Indigenous um, person from Common Grace called Bianca Manning um, and she has Artie Sue Hodges, Adam Gowan um, and uh, Uncle Ray Minicon all sort of sharing their, their views on um, reconciliation and Common Grace's theme which is um, love in action. Um, but I've just captured Pastor Ray Minicon. He is an Aboriginal pastor um, with his roots in the... Kabi Kabi and Garang Garang tribes of Queensland, lives in Sydney, has dedicated his life to supporting members of the stolen generation, um, raising awareness of climate change um, and just deep care and responsibility for the community. So he is a very active um, uh, minister, especially up around Sydney. I don't know if you had any um, dealings with him as well up in Sydney, um, but a wonderful voice. Um, so we are going to listen to his ponderings on um, reconciliation. Um, it's not a, a really long clip, but um, but I thought we can start that today. And I'm going to get Warwick to play that one. Amazing. Um, so in light of Common Grace's theme for this year's National Reconciliation Week, um, I'd like to pose the question to each of you 
what does reconciliation as love in action mean to you? Uh, could we start with you, Uncle Ray? Oh, okay. Well, the theme for this year here in Australia anyway is, is to be brave, make change. It's a, it's a challenge to all of us to be brave and tackle the unfinished business of reconciliation so we can make a change for all. But it does highlight the big questions that we have around reconciliation, and it's it's a very meaty uh, questions. You know, what is reconciliation? Why does it matter to me? Why should I be responsible for it? I mean, is reconciliation an end goal to be achieved, or you know, is it a process? Is it a collective responsibility? Why am I responsible for meaning? meaningful implementation of reconciliation? How am I benefiting from Indigenous perspectives on reconciliation and what happened to Aboriginal people? Is reconciliation about land rights? Is it about, de you know, decolonisation? Is it about trying to analyse the colonial legacy that we have in this country? Is reconciliation about creation and looking after creation? And so I think uh, there's a lot of challenges around this. I mean, we now have uh, the major themes for Aboriginal people here politically and socially is truth-telling, treaty and voice. Will love and action give us any of those kind of, uh, bring, bring about some kind of results for that? And is that what reconciliation is about? And so I, I sometimes struggle and I, I, was, I was also taken back by the fact that uh, when you were talking about the scriptures there, you didn't bring in the main scripture from Second uh, Corinthians chapter, was it chapter 5, particularly from verse 17 onwards, where there is a huge big challenge there for <clears throat> all of us because, you know, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation or new creation has come the old is gone the new is here and because all of this has been is, is from god who reconciled us to himself through christ what does that mean and he's given us two things one the ministry of reconciliation and also the message of reconciliation and then the third thing is that this is the only place in the scriptures where Christ has given us also, well, the scriptures have given us also another title, another uh, another responsibility, another role, and that we, that we are his ambassadors. And if, if I was to base my understanding of what an ambassador is to someone who is like the ambassador to China or the UN, then I have a huge responsibility in making sure that reconciliation is uh, is a very important part of who I who I am in my ministry, and so w when you say love in action, that should be just a natural. It's this, you know, no discussion. It's just get out there and do. Love is a verb. It's not a noun to be discussed. Yeah, yeah, you know, just pull your finger out, walk out the door, and out there in the streets is where love needs to be. Uh, because there's so much hurt and pain in the community. So, yeah, the the challenge of reconciliation is very huge. 
and uh, the we're the only nation on the planet actually that has some kind of a template of reconciliation that comes out of the council for reconciliation and just as a backdrop to that too remember that the council for reconciliation came out of a royal commission back in 1985 it was a royal commission into black deaths in custody now to me that's a failed uh, investigation into the deaths in custody of our people because we're now looking at 500 since that handing down of that royal commission of our people who have died in custody both male and female and so it's it's a very challenging time for us as indigenous peoples as indigenous christians to actually think through these these particular major political social and theological issues and see how we fit into the way the ministry as well as the message of reconciliation in our own communities and in our own nation so we've got this template we're the only country in the planet that's got a template for reconciliation reflect innovate um what's the other one? stretch and elevate and that acronym is very important and I've done, you know, a number of rap plans for, for, for a number of organizations. It's a starting point. It's not the end point. And for them, they're, you know, they're looking at ways of making their um, companies a lot more user-friendly for Aboriginal people. And that's good. But isn't it interesting that when you look at the rap plan for that and the rap plans that we have for churches, we should not even have one if we've got the ministry and the message of reconciliation and we're doing that in action. The big challenge for us is how do we engage with our non-Indigenous brothers to, and sisters to make this message real to them in terms of their relationship to Indigenous Australians as well as to others because we're now in a multicultural uh, society which i prefer to call it a multinational society it's not a multicultural society because these people come from different nations and they come into a country that is full of different nation groups the wiradjuri nation is different to the cubby cubby nation different to the walpree nation this is a multinational country so somehow we've got to change the language to what we mean, because if we say that we're from these particular nation groups, then we're automatically, and if we say we are Christians, we're automatically ambassadors for Christ from those particular regions, and we need to then act appropriately and act accordingly. I'd better shut up. I'll stop there. Um, I was going to say that there's a little bit of gendered language for, for God in there as well, if that caught you a bit off guard. But, um, yeah, I hope there's lots in that pondering from past uh, Uncle Ray. I, I, I was wondering if has anyone got any just initial sort of thoughts in response to that? Um, the questions that um, he threw out were, you know, what, what does reconciliation 
kind of look like um, for you or in your world? Where, where do Indigenous voices come from um, informing you of your, your life and your, your work? Um, but any, any thoughts just off the cuff, yeah? Um, I feel like this might seem really simple, but also I think it's it's practical, which I find is the hard part in this. Um, we, a lot of organisations have, um, like, Indigenous action plans and whatnot, and um, we got an email the other day inviting us to a workshop run at our organisation um, on giving a heartfelt acknowledgement of country. Um, and I was like, yes, that's awesome. And then I was like, oh, it's two hours and it's it overlaps with something else that I have and I think what I was reflecting on then is that this is the least I can do is give two hours to um like is give up my time and space like let it have space and let it yeah let it have that space I suppose so I'm gonna do that I think one thing for me is that it still feels really invisible to me. Like my direct contact with Indigenous and other First Nation peoples is basically none. And I see work being done by my workplace and other organisations towards reconciliation. But I guess in other areas of life, I think of reconciliation as very much both parties being present and deeply... Um, hopefully working together for that that um, reconciliation, whereas, yeah, I feel like I haven't been engaged enough in actually stepping up to where the conversation is happening, so it feels quite one-sided. Yeah. Mm, it's a, yeah, that sort of your world, kind of who's, who's in your world right now, you know, and what how do you bring other voices into that world? One thing I was thinking about is just the formation of how we view our, you know, Australia. Like even the thought of, oh, different groups of people, you know, like not just, you know, when you think of, oh, we're a multicultural community, I don't know what image came to mind, but perhaps not all the in sort of Indigenous nations, you know, people groups perhaps came to mind of just that slow formation of my worldview is part of the work of reconciliation, it's just a small part of that work of shifting my view of who and how um, and how we find voices and how we do this work. Um, anybody else? Yeah. Just a historical comment. Um, I used to be involved in a lot of um, curriculum, education curriculum towards or for multicultural education and that's the term we used and we always had to be very careful not to include um, Indigenous people that they saw themselves quite separate from sort of multicultural education and we actually some books that I, I was involved in writing we we did include a First Nations chapter and we were able to get permission from the aunties and uncles in Shepparton, I think it was, to actually include about the history of Melbourne, the beginning of Melbourne. Um, <clears throat> but I really loved the way that Uncle Ray said, you know, let's forget the multicultural word, let's call it multinational, because that's very inclusive. 
So I think, you know, we've grown up with this sort of term multicultural and that's the way I've always been taught to sort of say, well, you know, there's multicultural and then there's Indigenous and it shouldn't be separated, you know. In fact, you know, the Indigenous are so many nations and so with the many nations that come here from all over the world, um, yeah, I love that term, multinational, and I think we should start... Um, considering that it's a term to use for our country. And it feels like a big part of just being seen and acknowledged is just that sort of even uh, Uncle Ray sort of somewhere else was saying that uh, reconciliation is someone being restored into their own spirit, their true spirit, um, and that seeing like what, what happened over the last 300 years to is someone has robbed someone of their true and authentic spirit, you know, the degrad you know, in multiple, multiple ways. Um, and in f our, our language, our language matters, um, is so powerful that as we form new language, we are doing, you know, in our part, in ourselves, this change of restoration of people in, for the, in their own spirit. Mm. Sorry, and I'll I think just on that, I think I really loved, even this morning, the, the lost and weary traveller being the land, the land that we're on. Um, similarly to what you were saying, Stu, I don't, there aren't many First Nations people in my life that I'm connected with. Um, but having this sort of understanding of, of the land itself being an entity and, and someone to be known um, has been really meaningful to me. I send out a lot of mail at work. I'm the, the male person. Um, the female male person? Uh, Non-binary male? <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> that got complicated. Anyway. <laughs> um, and something I did when I started was uh, looked up all the addresses of all of our branches um, of Bank Australia and found the place, the, the land names of them and started including them on where I was addressing. And just that like level of, I don't know, it, it was such a good reminder to me that that the land, you know, we have so much Western language around land and belonging and but to have that sort of always present reminder that this land has never been um, acknowledged as being of the First Nations peoples, you know. Um, and then the acknowledgement of country piece as well is just so important to um, when there isn't on a, a grand scale acknowledgement of Indigenous people having been here first to constantly have the, the reorientation and realignment to this is not ours um, is really meaningful to me. Yeah, really beautifully said, you know, just and thinking of when you went out to get your, your, your leaf that this was once all native, you know, this was not struggling to find a native, you know, this was once all native. Um, I just love Uncle Ray's emphasis on, like, being people of reconciliation as an identity. Like, for those of us who are brought up in a particular frame, um, like, our relationship to our faith, like, was often framed by language of colonisation, you know, like that effectively our job was to 
go <laughs> and by hook or by crook force something on two people um, rather than actually being representatives of reconciliation because we understand what it is to be grafted into something else, like from the outside. Like, um, yeah, and I just think it's a really like helpful phrase to keep reminding ourselves of about what that looks like as an identity, identity as people of faith and how much listening is involved in that and how much, so much a part of reconciliation is actually about, yeah, about hearing and seeing the other for who they are, not for how you have decided that they are um, and what they need from you, um, but actually understanding what you need from them as well. And I think, yeah, there's just so much richness in that language that we, I think, I think we've missed out of, out um, on as the people who have the answer, which is kind of, yeah, for those who have been brought up in that faith frame, yeah, we're the people with the truth and so I have to go and impale others with it, yeah. And even just thinking how, how much time is needed to hear and to listen and how in the church agenda time is not devoted, it's not scheduled time of listening, you know, that could take years to really understand and... And just it doesn't when you have an agenda to change the world, transform the change the world for Jesus at top. When does that fit in? You know, um, yeah. Well, we might move on. Um, Going to handball to Rod um, for our last little bit. Um, yeah, thank you for your contributions. Um, it's really lovely to talk about. Thanks, Tamsin. Thanks, everyone. So I think. I'm not sure if it was earlier this year or late last year, but we did an exercise with with leaves um, around um, as a form of meditation and engaging with uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's issues. So the practice that I want to invite you into is to kind of meditate with your leaf on a particular issue that affects. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Um, so it might be the some of the things that Uncle Ray mentioned, like Aboriginal deaths in custody. Uh, it might be to do with reconciliation. It may be to do with stolen generations. It may be to do with treaty, um, Indigenous voice in Parliament and the Constitution. So there may be really kind of positive... Um, forward-looking things that you want to meditate on or it may be some devastating things from uh, history of colonisation and the effects on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. So the, the practice is really just silent meditation, taking a minute just to think about what it is about the experience of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that you want to spend two or three minutes reflecting on and to to hold your leaf as you do that as a connection to to peoples and a connection to land, the land that is so important to um, yeah, the Indigenous people of this country. Um, so let's have two or three minutes of silence and then we'll move into communion. Hey all, so I've cut out that uh, two minutes so if you want to do that meditation um, as a podcast listener you can just do that now by pausing and then we will jump straight back into the rest of the morning amen
in the, the lead into communion um, this morning, we're going to look at some passages, two short passages from Revelation and one from Psalms that Common Grace recommended for today. So all we're going to do today is read through these three passages once and then, then we'll have communion. Uh, the one thing that I did want to say before we read them is just a reflection on where Revelation comes from, that it's this example of um, apocalyptic literature and this is a type of literature that came out of the experience of um, Judah in exile. It was a type of literature that came out of the experience of for Judah being stolen from their land and taken to a foreign place, being both colonised and stolen. It was the literature of stolen, literally of stolen generations. And so it's, very, it's a powerful connection to Indigenous people to reflect that this is the literature of stolen people. And it represents a vision of what can be in the future. The book of Revelation was written to, as I said in my weekly note, written to really embattled, tiny communities of Christians from various different colonised nations who were seeking to survive under persecution and threat from a colonising empire. And yet it, it offers this um, vision of a future where people from all nations are in one people. And so it seems really appropriate on Reconciliation Week to, to read these passages and that they might seem an impossible future vision, but without it, we can't move forward. Without a vision like this, we can't move forward with reconciliation. So I'm just going to read each passage once. I'll leave it just a short time for reflection between each passage um, and then we'll move to communion. So the first is Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And from Revelation 22, 1 to 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I love the fact that after what Ray Minikin said, we just have this re repeated use of the word nations. And then from Psalm 9, 7 to 11, um, again, the Psalms came together in their final form in exile in Babylon. So this is also the literature of, of a colonized and exiled people. You, Yahweh, reign forever and have established your throne of judgment. 
You will judge the world in justice and govern the peoples with equity. For you, Yahweh, are a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you have never forsaken those who seek you, Yahweh. Sing praise to Yahweh, enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what God has done. So as we come up for communion, I want us to reflect on what is involved in reconciliation. Ray Minikin talked about 2 Corinthians 5, where we are reconciled to God in Christ. And as we come up and share communion, the symbols of Jesus' broken body, we recognise that there is no reconciliation without pain. And that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have borne their share of that pain and it is time for us to take our share of the pain that is a necessary part of reconciliation. Um, so that's what I want us to meditate on this morning as we take the cracker and the juice um, to reflect on forms of, of discomfort that we need to accept and embrace if we are to be part of this process of reconciliation. Um, there's... On Soul Search this today, I think it's ABC program. There's an interview with Anne Patel Gray, who's a, um, Aboriginal theologian, and um, I just want to recommend listening to that. She has a lot of anger, and it's anger that we need to listen to. So that's on Soul Search, I think today. But you can find it on the podcast, of course. When we do uh, communion, people just come forward and um, take a little thing of juice and we crack the crackers and take a little piece of cracker. Um, everyone is genuinely welcome to take part in communion here, but everyone is also genuinely welcome not to take communion and to feel very comfortable with not taking it. Um, as Tamsin said, we want this to be a safe place, a safe place for people to engage or not engage. Uh, so it is entirely up to you. But if you want to be part of it, um, come forward, take a little bit of cracker and a thimble of juice, which we'll is form a loose circle around the table, and then I will pray and we will eat and drink. So, yeah, come forward. Jesus, you emptied yourself to take on human form. And then you embraced full solidarity with the oppressed and the broken and the God-forsaken on the cross. We recognise the example that you set for us of doing whatever is required to heal broken relationships to find reconciliation. I pray this might be a community where we are willing to embrace discomfort and pain, to face up to painful truths and find our way slowly but surely back to 
reconciliation or to a first conciliation with our yeah, indigenous siblings. So we pray all of this in the name of Jesus who died for us. Amen. Let's eat and drink. Mm.